Welcome to the Business Launch Podcast. Join us as we get up close and personal with savvy entrepreneurs. Let's explore their business journey and how they navigated challenges and reached their goals. I'm your host, Carlos Simonio. Hey, it's Carla here from the Business Launch Podcast. I'm here with a special guest of mine, Dwayne Ladeo. Is that how you say your surname? If you're a Latino, yes. Ladeja, that's right. I'm Ladeja here with... to say Ladeja. I'm here with Dwayne. He's a good friend of mine. We've known each other for quite a while now. His bio is extremely impressive. He's a two-time Olympian both bronze and silver, two-time Commonwealth Games gold medalist and European gold medalist as well. Four times. Four times times European gold medalist, yeah. He's also been part of the media in England. He was actually in Gladiators and he was also ran the greatest athletes here in Australia. So that was one of my favourite shows actually when I was watching it so it was good to actually sit down here with Dwayne we've known each other through our kids sports and he's actually trained my kid in running as well so welcome to the show Dwayne how you doing good to be here yeah Uh, tell us a bit of your background you were born in England I was born in Paddington Hospital in London raised northwest London mostly family live up in in Newark Nottinghamshire now. Um, we still have a place down in High. Went to boarding school in Horsham, Sussex, and then went to a public school in Surrey. From yes. there, my last year of high school was in America, in the States, Medina, Ohio. And then I was five years as a Longhorn at the University of Texas studying nice. radio, television, film, and I had a track scholarship there. Yeah. And that's how your scholarship was in athletics, I'm thinking. Track and field, yes. Yes. Also, I did mention he, Dwayne's got actually a few businesses, I'd say. He runs Ladejo Sprint. It's two. It's Ladejo um, Speed Academy and Ladejo Sports Academy. Yes, that's right. So he's actually was head of mixing a few of the schools around here, a few of the private schools here. He's done a really great job with doing what he does. What else? How did you get started in athletics? I, as a kid, just enjoyed sports. I was very fortunate at the school that I went to, participating pretty much in everything, activities you can imagine, ranging from rock climbing, fly fishing, sailing, canoeing, skiing. Skiing is actually my favorite recreational sport. <laughs> and then the, and we always rotated sports throughout the year. So it was either rugby, rugby union, or, and my other school, that next one I went to was football. And football, when I, you, some people here call it soccer, but it is football, <laughs> football association. And then, and then we would do hockey the next term. And then the, for the final time, we would do cricket. That was the rotation and intermingled with cricket, even though I never trained for athletics, I was, I went to athletic meets throughout the year and my last year, which was my second last year of high school, but my last year of school in England, I won the public schools, 100 meters and 200 meters. And that's how you transitioned going to... That is how I transitioned over to the States. And then my last year of high school, which I was a year young, I was 17, I then first started training for athletics. But before that, I actually played American football, which was great fun and and then I started to play basketball and then I had to make a choice between indoor track and basketball and basketball funny enough wasn't going so well my coordination I just had a massive growth spurt 
and my coordination just went what just went ballistic and I was like something that just came so easily to me and something that I thought that I'd have potential in, in really progressing became extraordinarily difficult to even bounce the ball and take a let it was just ridiculous that in transition as in the speed and within a game scenario and I remember going back on the bus thinking up oh, my my life is over <laughs> because I had these I already had American football now aspirations I had the coach of the Cleveland Browns asking me if I wanted to take on a scholarship at college and be trained for American football Um, so I had that in my mind but that was never on my on my plans within my plans the Olympics was always my plans but basketball had suddenly really taken to me as in something I wanted to do it was always my love of my my love my love sport and it went disastrous my track everything just went so disastrous and then my track coach just came up to me and came up and say look there's a couple of indoor races that you might just want to go to I know you haven't trained just come along and see how you do and I ended up being second in the state to a guy who completely dominated states throughout the years as in Ohio State and uh, just was just got pipped in the 60 meter or 60 meter sprint and and then I just he went I think you better consider doing track from that on that from that point onwards I took it and ended up that by the end of the year I was the number three high school sprinter in America and I was a year young so it was I was I <laughs> that's not experience it's just all <laughs> that's, that, that was that I was a year young but I did train that year but it was I went to running 10.2 hand time so uh, officially at 10.64 10.63 not in the best conditions but it was I was realized that athletics was probably the way to go for me yeah so from there after you finish high school you mm-hmm. got a scholarship i'd say is that right i did i got recruited by a few schools indiana ohio state and texas and kansas state and there was a couple of others and i chose the university of texas because of stan huntsman stan huntsman and the facilities at the university of texas was just out of this world and Stan Huntsman was the U.S. Olympic coach at that time and I really liked everything that they had to offer and so that was it I decided to go from Medina Ohio as about as urban as you can get or now to Austin Texas which was great the Austin Texas was fun yeah Austin's got one of those great great schools for sports specifically they've got a good basketball program as well and a good friend of mine actually who was coaching that here a lot he actually went he was at Texas with me at the same time Joey Wright and, yes um, he's been coach yes an Adelaide coach yes I'm not sure where he's coaching now, actually. It's, yeah. But he was in Adelaide, he was Brisbane. Yeah, he was in Brisbane a lot. Yeah. And then that's how I met up with him again, because we were both in the Gold Coast together. And then he went to Adelaide. Yeah. So after finishing um, your scholarship, what did you end up doing after that? You would have had I, to have a few choices. So. I did. I, I, look, I had obviously studied radio, television, film, and I started coming up with TV and film concepts, and I'd always been working on those. However, I now was in a position running fast enough. I was an All-American and in track, and but I transitioned from sprints to 400, which was not a transition I actually wanted to do, but my coach thought it was a good one to do. So I never really got the opportunity to see how fast I could go. He made that transition really quickly. Yeah. What I discovered is that because he saw I could do the 400-meter runner at a track at a university is the most valuable asset that you can have because yeah. you score more points than everyone else. 
because you can use the 400 runner in all the different relays, which yeah. is about three or four of them because they have a bit of medley. You can use them in the four by one and they can also do the one and two. Yeah. So it was a, I was like, ah, become a serious commodity for Texas. <laughs> <laughs> so I got it. I got it, but it wasn't my ambition to be a 400 meter runner, but you know what? It didn't work out that bad for me. You, after that, when did you start going your aspirations to go in the Olympics? Oh, look, my, my first Olympic medal actually happened whilst I was at Texas. Oh. Last year at Texas, I was... You're still in college and you... I was still in college, yeah. Oh. I was still in college and I picked up the bronze medal with the 4x4 four, four four then. Uh, oh. it, look, it was also a little bit to my disadvantage because I did my times and, and, e, and in, over in Texas... At that time, not that many athletes had transitioned from the tech, from the university colleges and states to to Britain, to Britain, and they took priority of times in England than my times in the states. And I beat the person in the trials, and they gave the spot to the other guy. It was no one could explain it. It was funny. It was a very obvious. It was extraordinarily political, and no one knew of me. But I still took up my spot in the in the relay. But the person who was took the third spot, I actually had a faster time then, and I beat in trials. It was bizarre. <laughs> it was the most bizarre thing ever. And uh, yeah, never got an apology for it. It was just uh, they just decided to do it. There's always politics in sports. There's a lot of politics that always come into play. And I guess it's still happening till this day, as you can see. That's why I speak to my kids and just say, just enjoy it. Don't let anything, any type of politics, whatever, get in the way. Just enjoy it. That's right. From when, after going through the Olympics, you were still doing all the European racing, Commonwealth Games? I did. I ran in 400 metres up until 1996. I got a little disgruntled because there was a few things going on behind the scenes again. But this was politics to a certain extent. It was pretty obvious there was a couple of athletes um, that were not doing the right thing. Funny enough, people always think that it's, it's their times that you say, oh, they're running so fast and everything. No, no, the times that you're always capable of doing the times like Lance Armstrong, it was never really the times, it was the recovery. And when you can recover that quickly, Quick it allows you to do something like the Tour de France or the stages over and over again at the same level, whereas everyone else is depreciating and falling off, they're able to sustain what the everyone speed. can do, but they can do it over and over and over again. And we witnessed the, and in certain individuals that's doing things over and over again and just going, ah, I didn't realize, I just didn't realize people, I was very naive. I don't know why I was so naive, but I just thought everyone was like chariots of fire, like me. <laughs> and, uh, just, just wanted to do the sport naturally and see what you naturally can do. And when it was pretty obvious that people were covering so quickly in order to do another the event again and again, which was a massive advantage, yeah. He threw my dummy out, to be honest, and uh, walked away from it and decided, you know what I want to do? Decathlon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do decathlon so I can just enjoy it. Again, I wanted to go back to the fun of it. And, uh, and athletics was never meant to be a profession for me. It was always meant to be fun. I only realized whilst I was in university that I actually could make a considerable amount of money from it. And it was, was very kind to me. I had my own TV series, Dwayne's World, off the back of it. I had a, a wow. fantastic sponsorship with Adidas 
and Tilda Rice and a few other sponsors. So I, I did financially, I was one of the better paid athletes in pretty much in the world at that time. And it was not just off, um, of doing athletics. It was obviously from the sponsorship deals, TV deals that I was now had my, my, my own show was Dwayne's World on ITV. And then I was also guest presenting on things like Saturday Disney and things, just doing a load of different stuff. So yeah, it was fun. And then I just decided not, I'm going to do decathlon now. Decathlon makes no money. <laughs> That's it's, what I found. That it's not in the spotlight. It's not in the spotlight. You know what happens? You literally have to be the very best, the greatest athlete in the world. Now you can see why I had how that transition to me creating the show Greatest Athlete. Yeah. If you are the greatest athlete or you're right there as what as coined is that you win decathlon in the Olympics or World Championships, then you make an extraordinary a lot of money, pretty much more than uh, outside of the 100 metres and the five, 1,500. You, you can, especially in sponsorships, you can command a considerable amount. Wow. So from there, when was the retirement of your athletics career? I never officially retired. I never <laughs> retired. I was, I, it was the strangest thing. It was I... My plan was to bow out in 2012. I was already now had three series of greatest athlete under my belt. I'd moved to Australia. I was in training, still in training, still in good, good shape. And then unfortunately I had some stuff happen with greatest, some issues with my business partner. Unfortunately, he was going through a lot of issues himself. He ended up being bankrupt and it had a major knock on effect on, on, on greatest athletes. So that was, he went bankrupt and took in a whole different business of development. Um, unfortunately, his bad luck or whatever fate was pulled into greatest athletes. So I had to put it on hold. He, he had to be removed. We had to remove him. And, but. I had no contacts. I had no contacts here in Australia. I didn't know any, didn't know anyone at all. I'm the one that came up with the concept and came up with everything. He had all the, the business, the connections, the network, and we decided to go our separate ways. And but I had no, I had all the I own greatest athlete. Greatest athlete is still mine, and but I didn't know anyone to actually. Um, get the sponsors in there so anyone out there wants to come in and sponsor great stuff and uh, and that's what i wanted to do I, it was sponsored at rec zona at the time and yes, that's um, right yeah and it was a massive success massive they had a 42 percent increase in sales it was massive and they kept growing and growing but again when i decided to separate i wanted to start all over again yeah and uh, rebuild right from the beginning and yeah if i can build some relationships with people with businesses especially businesses that would benefit of having the best sports people in the men and women in the country going up against each other get in contact with me <laughs> <laughs> get in contact with me because I, I would love to to put up greatest athlete again literally i have a continuous deal with one of the networks yeah i get the sponsors the, the show's back on air yeah we've I think it's it's one of the greatest concepts. When I first saw, I saw the athletes coming, seeing guys like Billy Slater dominating. That's right. And it was just seeing different athletes and how they're performing different types of sports was like a revelation to me. It's like the different skill sets that they have, especially right. even the motorsports guys, even like. That's right. Doing Jamie really Winkup. Well. Yes. Jamie right. Winkup was second in the first one. Yeah. So it's amazing what they, they, you come up with. And and I the way I want Greatest Athlete to be now is where the members of the public also get the opportunity. And we go through them first 
and uh, get a, a male and female winner that can join in with the actual sports stars. I think we need to get you hooked up with a network because I think it's still got a lot of legs in, in that. Network deal is not the problem. It's getting the sponsors on. It's getting yeah. really uh, getting sponsors and stakeholders together and saying, what are we all going to get out of this? What are we trying to achieve? And um, what do you, what product do you want to promote, put out there and associate with the best athletes in Australia and sports people in the Australia. So it it really is that simple and coordinate, but coordinating it is, is also, it's not particularly hard to do. Uh, It's just people having that hindsight and saying, actually, my brand will work really well with this concept over this show and, and just, let's just do it. Yes, I think I think I'll see that in the next year or two. I think I'll be back on it. Let's hope that you get the sponsorship deals. Hopefully, this show can get you some sponsorship deals as well. All right, listen. If there are any businesses out there uh, that uh, remember the show and uh, and would love their brand or product associated with the show, yeah, please get in contact. Let's go forward to your actual Ladejo speed training. So from after Greatest Athletes, what did you end up doing after that? So basically I relocated from the Gold Coast to Sydney to actually to build some of these, the networks and and start building relationships. And it's difficult. Coming out as a, not knowing anyone at all outside of my, my wife's family, it was, it was very, very difficult to actually build trust and get people to get to know you. And it, we did actually manage to do that but it was February 2020. <laughs> During pandemic. Had that... <laughs> everything in place, sponsors the whole thing in place, February 2020. I was more of a media agency, rather. I wasn't, I had someone else do that with the media. Anyway, in between then and when I moved up to the Gold Coast, from the Gold Coast to Sydney, I took over as head of athletic performance, athletic development, and head sprint coach at Barker College. I was there for about two and a half, three years. And then I took on as I was head of athletics for Knox Grammar School. Down the road. Down the road, yes. <laughs> I had Ladejo Sports and Speed Academy going on at the same time. So Sports Academy, for me, it, it encompasses all different sports. And I'm actually working on something right now with Sports Academy after talking to you, yes. like, Carlo. <laughs> I brought that back up. We're incorporating basketball, football, track, and a high performance center, or a, a training center and a recovery lounge mm-hmm. all under one roof. So that is, is something that I'm kind of putting together. And one of the things that I'd really like to do down here is bring the very first banked 200 meter track down to the Southern Hemisphere in Australia. Wow. It makes yeah. no sense, especially with the weather that's been here. Yeah. yeah, it makes no sense that we don't have something like that. So that's one of my ideas. And then having the, the basketball and football facilities and where they're in the infield of that is actually uh, something that I think interestingly can, can be put together. And with my background and bringing in also people from both basketball, football, and then the high performance center, we could actually put something really great together. Yeah, I think when I first mentioned, I think you should do something like this because, as I said, there's some here in the, in Sydney that's actually sprouting. I think it's five, ten years now they're doing it. They're doing it in a small scale in the basketball sense. I think if it's we get a holistic, if you do a holistic kind of sports training center, I think that's going to help athletes all over Australia 
even bringing athletes here overseas would, would work as well, I think, especially in the northern beaches, right? Absolutely, along the northern beaches. So it's that is something that I'm looking at, not looking at, I'm working on right now. And then again, if someone out there listening is, is interested in getting involved, getting contact, because that will need funding, no yeah. question about it, and need back in with that. And, and also, you know, good experience, people, especially in those different areas, to come in and work in. Yeah. In your business history, in your entrepreneurship, because you're pretty much an entrepreneur, what was the biggest hurdles you've had? It, look. In England, it was quite easy because everyone knew me. If I wanted to meet someone or see someone or do something, that door would be open up very quickly. And it would just be my agent would make literally one phone call and I'd have the meeting within days. Here, no one knows me. <laughs> <laughs> so those doors opening, unless they're funny enough that I had a situation where someone worked in a big high tech tech company here. And, and they invited me on to take a role, a very high role in, but it was the one thing they asked me to do, because the company is that big, pretty much one of the biggest in the world, was to let go of greatest athlete. <laughs> <laughs> I said, look, you need to let go of greatest athlete and you need to focus in on the business, on our business. And, and I couldn't take on, I couldn't proceed with it. I was like, no, I... Greatest athlete's my baby. And it, as as you said, Carlo, it's something that I know people enjoy. They really love. Yeah. And I love doing things that people enjoy and love. I like bringing value. That's the legacy is value added. And that has always been one of my things. And is that if I can do something, it's to bring value and joy into people's lives. That's the purpose. So nice. to ask me to, to take something away... And, and not even focus on bringing it back again was just, it was a no-go. So I was just kept going. I might, as my energy is very much focused in on my kids as well. Yeah. So helping them progress. And funny enough, it's not pushing them into sports. It's actually pushing them to enjoy all different types of activities, ranging from chess, type, debate, drawing, drama, acting, dancing, whatever. Modeling. Modeling. They do a lot of modeling. They do a lot of modeling, that's for sure. Um, yes. that, for those people that don't know, Dwayne's kids are plastered all over Sydney, all over the world, actually, with some big brands that's out there. So you would recognize his kids from like the DFOs to like all the Westfields out there. You'll see, you'll see his kids. So. They are. They've done quite a few campaigns with Maya, DJ. Maya, what's the other one? DJ. David Jones. David, uh, Jones, David Jones, Industry, Industry Kids, Cotton On, you name it. There's a Country Road. Country Road, that's right. And a lot of different types of, yeah. And now I'm proud of them. They've done well. And Reese as well. Reese is doing. He's an international model now. He right? is an international model. He, he's been on Paris, London. And Italy, Milan. Living the life. Yes, that's right. <laughs> he's enjoyed it. He's enjoying it. And he's come back and he's also doing well. And he's also into his music too. Nice. What was your biggest win in starting your own business? Look, it, I've always, it's amazing as it sounds, when I took on the role as head of athletic development at Barker College, that's the first job I've ever had, working for someone else. You imagine at 45, 40, whatever I was at that time, and it was a 
first job of ever working for someone else, it was difficult. It's just, I'm very used to calling the shots and uh, all working with people, working with people, but it's within my time. It's interesting enough, what I did realize is that when you work for yourself, which I have all that, you put way more hours in than you work for somebody else. But when you're working within a system, it's, everything's political as we go back to that thing. Yeah. You, the hours just crawl by. <laughs> when I was actually work, funny enough, when I was working with the kids and when we were actually coaching and training, that was great. That went really quickly. That was easy. The kids were fantastic. But in, in the background, admin, admin and the administrators, the, the mid level people, oh my gosh, they are hard work. <laughs> hard work. And that's well, not you my work. You work for two two schools. That's why you they're both private schools. And how was that? Like, how was yeah, it? The kids were great. The kids are great, and the sports master at Barker was amazing. He was a really great guy. Actually, the support from the head teacher, sports master, hi guys, was great. I didn't realize how competitive teachers are. <laughs> I had no idea. I realized, you know, they've had a hard time. They, they, a lot of them, especially if they're coaching sport or doing PDHP, unfortunately, they didn't get to the level of what they aspire to in sport. Now a coach and our teachers, but it's a good thing. And that's a, a fantastic thing. And it's the, one of the best things you could possibly ever do. But I didn't realize how competitive they were with each, but each other. Not, they don't actually really work together. And it's always ideas. So I'm not an ideas person, as in when you're training, when you're coaching people, this is not an idea. This is what we do, and this is what works. And we scale it down or scale it up depending on the level and the ability of the kids and what they want. There's always pro- process involved, having yeah. a, breaking it down into bunk chunk, I guess, little chunks, all the way to the big chunks to get to... Correct. The end goal in mind. Yeah. And, and the key is developing the kids or developing your athlete that they develop as people. It's not just their sport acumen is the most important thing. What's important is that everything around them and what they're doing is also developing. Yeah. They're becoming better people. They're, they're adding value again to society, to their community, yeah. uh, and especially with what they do. And if they grow that and they become really successful as sports people, and my goodness, they have a voice. They'll be able to actually influence people just by doing things like this and social media, but in a positive way. Yeah. All the discipline and all the actual attributes, things that they learn through being coached and through being coached correctly they can apply that discipline and apply that ethos to their work, to what they do or else outside of their sport from that sense. So it's, that is, it's important that they, we develop people, especially kids to be to good citizens. Exactly. I think it's that part of coaching is missing in some sports. I'd say, I guess it's the competitiveness of, of coaches, but being able to teach kids or athletes how to behave how to be good people is a skill in itself sure. i think it's a li- lifelong skill that can translate over years to come i think and i think that's one of the great things that you've actually implementing to your to your teaching what makes your business stand out right now 
from your other competitors? Uh, look, I, I, my business got really hit hard by COVID, both the entertainment business and, and sports, and particularly athletics. It had a, quite a large group. And during COVID, and I had them at the age of between 14 through to 19, which was the vast majority of them, and they had nothing to do. There was no competition. There was no, so the motivation to actually train for nothing was very low. And my training's not easy. That's the thing. The little, that little athletics training and that they're used to doing is speed, go short, fast, intensity. Yeah. That's not what I do. That's not what we do. As athletes, we very much build up the foundation. I'm pretty much the Mr. Miyagi of <laughs> athletics when it comes to coaching. I'm very much not the Cobra Kai. Not the Cobra Kai stuff. <laughs> ah, that's what, that's what I, the comparison I can see. Athletics is taught like the Cobra Kai way here. It's bizarre. It's for me. I just look. I don't need to say it. We haven't had a top sprinter, and we still don't. Ryan Browning doesn't count. He's not. That's not good enough. We haven't had a top sprinter, a world class, genuine contender, no twenty years. Maybe even yeah. longer than that, 25 years. Yeah. That's ridiculous. We got some great athletes here and in Australia as well. Great. The talent's here, but the coaching is very much wanting. Yeah. They're wanting. It's unfortunately, they've literally fallen into a pigeonhole and they're all doing pretty much the same thing. And they have really lost basics. They rely too much on high tech. When I say high tech, I'm talking about analytics and always keep hearing the what is it sports doctors sports scientists and all this yeah. sports scientists yeah? yeah it's always sports scientists this trust me whatever these sports scientists are doing here or working with athletic coaches here they're they've got it completely wrong because they produced nothing absolutely nothing and but they have all the numbers so all these numbers of kids are going to little athletics yeah. and going through little athletics unfortunately they're going nowhere they get to and they get to 15 16 carlo and they are done they don't want to do athletics anymore yeah that's where that, like basketballs and all other sports jump in and grab all these great athletes that, that is right and uh, whereas what they should be doing is just enjoying all these different sports throughout most a lot of the time have fun with the athletics learn good technique which they're not learning because a lot of them are and it's again it's not their fault but they need to come to people like myself i'm talking about the coaches the young the coaches who are parents that have gotten certificates and now coaching in their athletics which is great but they need to also, there's people like me there that are still willing to actually help and contribute to the sport and say, actually, no, you, sh you should be doing this. Yeah. And make it simple. Keep it yeah. simple, stupid. Yeah. That's always my biggest philosophy is kiss. Yeah. And, and just take your time. Don't be in a rush. Give them many other opportunities as well. And that's not happening right now. It's, unfortunately, that is the way of the beast here is a lot of money is made through junior sports. Yeah. And it's not right. The sport for me should always be going and channeled through the schools. It yeah. always, especially up through the ages of 16, especially to the age around 16, 17. It should, everything, all competition should be channeled through the school, all infrastructure, energy, everything should go through the schools because it's contained 
and it allows the parents and the kids to know exactly what's going on and where they stand. You have all these different academies all over the place, and I'm talking about academies specifically geared to kids. You know, that's a problem. Laveja Sports Academy, absolutely kids can come, but it's geared for post-school. It's geared for the athlete people in that respect who now want to take it to that next level, become professionals and really take it to that next level. Everything else should be contained within school infrastructure, where all the leagues and all of that and all the scouts and everything you can see is clear in front of you. It's right there. America do it beautifully. They do. That's why they do get so well, because it's all under one roof and and the community supports the school. Yeah. They rally behind all the primary schools. Exactly. Primary schools, high schools, colleges. Absolutely right. And it should be that way. It should be totally that way. And sports all should be done between three and five after school's done. That is the opportunity for co-curricular activities. And that's where it should be channeled in. All these different academies like Little Athletics, all that type of stuff, it shouldn't be there. There's no need for it. There's no need for it at all. And, and that's the problem. It's self-interest that's going on at, for a younger age and targeting parents. Parents are the, unfortunately, they they got darts in them all over the place. Come on, get your kid to do this, pay for this, pay for that, pay for... No, parents should be paying out all over for all the different types of activities that the actual kids want to do. It should be provided, opportunities provided at school, and you pay so extra fees per se. Yeah within the school and you start really funding into your local schools and yeah. then you get the best coaches available in the area to coach at the schools that's right get the, it just makes logical sense let's hope that sometime down the track we get someone or the government actually changes that but it's uh, as you, we can see it's a political thing but hopefully things change the all the athletics all the different sports starts getting funneled through the schools as well so look yeah. and that's the other thing and there's hardly any athletic tracks in, in yeah. australia we got one in the northern beaches that covers it's, is that narrabeen it's yeah. narrabeen track yeah. the yeah. closest track is sopak uh, that's ridiculous how many swimming let's put it in perspective how many swimming pools are between here and sydney olympic park hundreds yeah. Now, there's no no rocket science to figure out why we have pretty good swimmers. Yeah. Because there's a lot of every school, especially private school, they all have swimming pools. Yeah. But how many have tracks? Virtually none of them. It's the footballs, and football fields, and all that. Right? In America, they get it. They have your football field in the middle. They have the track around the fields. Everything is built within one stadium one arena and then you have your gym that has your basketball courts and it deals with all of that as well mm-hmm. and then all to the side you'll have your tennis courts you have your football as your soccer courts there your baseball fields with it where you can play cricket everything has its spot but the actual center field is an athletics combined with a rugby or football field in the middle of it yes, it right. makes logical sense and yeah. all sports and all activities they all run track. 
you know, they all, as they go in, at some point or another, they all do athletics, they all do gymnastics, they all do swimming. It's all through the school. It yeah. makes logical sense. Yeah, it just, kids become well-rounded athletes that way, I think. Correct. Yeah. What motivates you daily, Dwayne? My kids. On a daily basis, my kids. I, look, I've, I've achieved a lot in life now. I, I, I'm, as you get older, you begin to reflect back and go, actually, I've, uh, I keep wanting to do more, do more stuff, and I'm enjoying that, and I like to keep busy. But it's my kids. I just want them to really enjoy life, and I, I don't care what activity it is that they, that they really love. I just want to be able to support them and give them the best support they can for whatever they want to do. Yeah. And that's at sometimes turn them away. You're doing too much. There's, you, you don't need to do this, but enjoy, enjoy being with your friends at times. Enjoy this. So I don't mind them being focused and tunnel vision, but I want them to be to- focused and tunnel vision with passion. Yeah. You, know, you can literally see they, they live and breathe, whatever it is. Yeah. You can't stop them because they're having so much fun doing what they're doing. That's a whole different thing. Yeah. But when it becomes a churn for them or a chore, it's going to be over for them. So you don't want that to happen. So that's why you want them to be diverse and do different things. And you hopefully, by the time they are 16, they find something and go, I want to channel in and into that. Yeah. A lot of people, and this is where people get it wrong here. They try and make their kids do what Tiger Woods did, the Agassi did or whatever. That is a 0.00000%. You're trying to ask a kid to train from the age of three to let's say 18 or 19 with passion and want it every single day. Most people don't think like that. They will get burnt out by the time they're 11 if they yeah. start with that three. You know, wear, wear and tear as well, right? Oh, wear, absolutely. Well, it's wear and tear on everything, isn't it? Just the mind, body, soul, and, and especially your spirit. And be at them and saying, that's the only way you're going to make it. No, that's a one in a 10 billion, those types of individuals. Yeah. They also don't make it too. There's a lot of those types of individuals that don't make it more often than not. Yeah. Uh, they, and, that's the, and they have the talent as well. That's the whole different yeah. thing. Now, it's better to be diverse and to always be active and be involved because the growth spurt in learning happens over two years. Yeah. If you have two years anywhere but up to the age of 18 where a kid goes, boom, in those two years, they suddenly go, boom. And it doesn't matter whether that happens at three to five, five to seven, wherever it is, 16 to 18. Do you know some of the best basketball players in the NBA right now haven't picked up a ball until they were 17 in Africa? All the African kids are (laughs) But it tells you, of course, they have a predisposition to the sport, as in the height, obviously, in that respect. But it tells you straight away, you do not need to be at 12, 11, 10 and be so super focused on anything in order to be great at it. That's right. You just need to always keep challenging yourself and then suddenly hone in on something and then have that obsessive nature of passion for what you want to do. You do that for two years and you have a good coach and you're taught well and your skills, you catch everyone up very quickly and you more likely will surpass them, mm-hmm. especially if you have the ability, the natural ability to. It's not rocket science. Yes, this... Speaking of African 
basketball players. Hakeem Olajuwon was like that. I think jo- Joel Embiid, Diakams, yeah. Matombo. Matombo. They yeah. all picked up the sport really late, but they are excelling right now. Oh, they have excelled. Oh, they excel. And there's a lot, there's a load of examples of that right now. Yeah. So it's the reality is that if we can get our kids to be active, enjoy life, and then just say, be passionate, find something that you can be really passionate about by the time you leave school, yeah. you'll be okay. Yeah. You will be okay. And, and that's what I'm saying. That's what leads to something that, say, for example, then a Ladejo Sports Academy yeah. really becomes a massive asset yeah. to the community. You know, and you're hoping that the schools, if they had that infrastructure, will be always like they do with class. They do history, they do math, they do English, they do geography, they do all these art, they do all these different types of things. They don't just teach them English from the age of three. But could you imagine someone even saying, no, you're just going to do maths from the age of five? Piano. Or piano. <laughs> this is all you're going to do at school. Everyone would look at you like you're crazy, but that's what happens with sport, right? Yeah. And what we're saying is, no, don't do that. Enjoy your sports. But if you're really passionate about something, then do it a little bit more. Do it what you want. But make sure you do other things as well. You've got to make sure your body is versatile. Nice. The versatility is a strength. And then we can get specific when you get really good at it, when it's time to actually approach into the big time. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it just makes logical sense. Yeah. It's what do you think is the right time to pick that sport, the um, activity that they want to? I, I think 15, 16 is a really Good, gives you a good opportunity. Gives I was I was lucky, as in talented, that my very last year of high school, I did have a massive growth spurt. And I naturally, combined with year of training, was able to go from no one knowing me to the top three 100-meter runner in America. Yeah. So that is, that's just natural ability combined with whatever. I always think, especially, and what people don't realize, running sprinting is a skills but to learn how to sprint is difficult it is micro skilling like you would not believe it's, it's technical it's little technical extraordinarily technical but you then got to be unconscious about that technique as well yeah. that's the key right is yeah. so going from being consciously unconsciously incompetent yes to unconsciously competent, competent. there's a lot of stages through there a few stages yeah. through there is a long journey for a lot of people yeah. And it's some kids, and I was close to one of those kids, that when I started running, I was near unconscious competent. Yeah. My natural running form was virtually there, so there wasn't much to coach in that respect. But for me, I thought running was just natural. You just yeah. do it. But when I started coaching, that I realized, oh, my goodness. It's like, again, going to a basketball player. But basketball players, seven foot tall, they're virtually there. They just have to learn some few things That's and right. they're going to be absolutely fine. So it's not those individuals that we're concerned about. It's individuals that probably don't have disposition for their sport, but really want to be in there. They themselves two to three years of channeling it. And my advice would be don't do it too early yeah. because once that energy is there, they have to sustain that. Yeah. And if they have to say, as they're trying to sustain that through their childhood and their commitment through their childhood, they're missing out 
yeah. or being a kid. Yeah. So by the end of it, by 1718, that time, you can say to them, yeah, do you want to really fight? This is a good time. But I've seen obsessive kids and I've coached obsessive kids and it never goes right. Yeah. It never goes to plan. So I would say around about 15, 16, 17 is a real good time to, to really take something very seriously. Take note to our listeners. That is, I think it is, of actually speaking to my kids right now. They're, it's becoming their formative years now to pick something that they want. So picking it at the right right time because they can peak too early, right? They can peak too early and it's just finding the right balance and the right coaching as well. And, right, and remember, we don't, we're not fully grown until we're reaching close to 18, 19. 18, yes, that's right. And I always feel really sorry for the athletes that I watch at primary school championships and especially especially 16 and downwards who are winning these championships and they're destroying everyone, but they're way more mature than all the other kids. Yeah. And so it's always the most mature kids in that year that dominate. Yeah. And I feel so sorry for them, the like 99.99% mm. of them, because the time they get to 17, 18, those last two years. When everyone's caught up. Everyone's <laughs> caught up there. And those kids they were destroying are now destroying them. Yeah. And it just it literally destroys their soul. But because yeah. they were so focused, so young, and always winning and always determined, when everyone caught up with them, game over for them. Yeah. And that's why, especially in athletics, take your time. Take your time. Take your time. Who are your influences growing up in business and in my my influences were mostly in life. I Igmar Stenmark was one of my first, was one of the and beyond Borg. Funny enough, Swedish sports star. So Igmar Stenmark was the best all-round skier in the world. He was just amazing. He was unreal to watch. He was just perfection personified that's so smooth so skillful mm-hmm. and beyond board was just so much fun as well yeah. um, Arthur Ashe was another one Muhammad Ali Sugar Ray Leonard was a big, big one, uh, but no question about it and I but I think the person that they had the biggest influence in my life where I realized that you can really do something in sport and, and make a difference on the political side obviously that was Muhammad Ali yeah. but within just sport itself was Michael Jordan no it's the buts about it michael jordan mj was just he personified a professional athlete yeah excellence he's i think michael jordan was the one that actually got me in the sport of basketball as well i think it's when a lot of people are talking about who the goat is right now comparing lebron to mj for me growing up in the 90s it's just, it's a no-brainer, I think. So, uh, it, look, it, but even if you compare the thing, I love LeBron. It's amazing. <laughs> I, I pretty much support and follow wherever he goes. Yeah. And I've always been a Laker fan throughout my life, but I support anywhere LeBron where I would watch. Because you, you want to watch the best players play, right? That's right. But for me, Michael Jordan was just absolutely sensational. And the other person that actually I, I forgot, but that was more nostalgia and just revered was Pele. So Pele, Pele was the other one as well. Yeah. But for me, yeah. Pele, Michael Jordan were the, uh, uh, but this is one's going to surprise everyone. Outside of sport, the person who had the 
biggest influence on me outside of sport. And Gandhi, Gandhi had a big influence on me and preemptiveness in that respect. My favorite person, if not including sport, all around Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee was, without a shred of a doubt, he set the tone for me in that respect of uh, uh, approach to life and those principles and discipline to discipline, his art form. Yes. His discipline to his art form. And he, for me, set the tone in that respect. And then for me, then Michael Jordan took over to, yeah. to the torch. See, Bruce Lee was martial arts in Wing Chun, and then he actually started um, implementing, grabbing different um, art forms from different martial arts, making it his own. So he's, I think he's one of those, he'll imagine him in a greatest athletes tournament. And that's the thing, right? That's why I came out with greatest athlete, because I wanted to see of all the people that are physically active, yeah, who... Is the best all-rounder yeah and that can be a fireman that could be a dancer that could be anyone in the armed forces that type of thing anyone that has a physicality big physicality athletic element to what they do can be a greatest athlete and and that's what i think is fun about it i like how we stay way back there huh how oh wait a second let's just go a bit back what's your top three advice for aspiring entrepreneurs and athletes look I would say for an entrepreneur is leaning. That's the biggest advice I would say. If you have an idea, you have a passion about something, and it's even tropic, lean into it. Really put your energy and just have faith that you can go out there and do it. For mm. one thing, have a good support network. That is it's key. You cannot do everything by yourself. That is what I learned out here, is that you do need a good team around you and people to, to help and support your vision. More often than not, grow the vision. If you get people involved, get people smarter than you, especially in whatever that area that you know you want to also expand in, get the smartest people and obviously trustworthy people around you as well. People that you, you can actually have faith in that they would deliver and do and have your back. That's important. And listen to your mum. Listen to your mom. <laughs> listen to your mom. I'd say to my kids, listen to your mom and dad. But I say, listen to your mom. My, my, unfortunately, my dad's not with us anymore. But listen to your mom and dad. And uh, it's those are, I'd say, not just as an entrepreneur, but as a sports person, those are key things. Yeah. And we did. We spent a lot of time talking about in sport leaning in. When is the right time to lean in? And um, and as parents, I would say. Just be extremely supportive of your child's progress. Do not helicopter them. Let them, they got to make that choice. My mother never, ever asked me to go training once. Not once. She never asked me to do a sport. She never asked me to do anything. It was 100% driven by me. All the way. And that is the one thing I do know. If someone's going to be good at it, someone cannot be telling them they should be going to do something. Yeah. Now, the only way that person's going to be really good at something is they're self-motivated and they do it and their own impetus and we just support that impetus. Yeah. And that's where I think a lot of parents go wrong here is they think if they drive it, then their kids will come through and deliver. No, they have to drive. Yeah. We are definitely the support system, the support network on their drive. On this. Yeah. I think so too. In terms of how you want to push your kids, let's... I'm just segue a different 
I'm just going off topic for those parents that just because nowadays there's a different type of challenges that parents go through with the gaming, getting them off their gadgets. How do you suggest in getting them out active? Look, I think the old adage is bring the water and they'll drink it. You've got to keep bringing and giving opportunities for your kids to do other things. If you don't give them the opportunity, if you don't bring water for them to be able to drink, they won't drink it. Yeah. So if you keep just saying, oh, that's okay, we're just, uh, they're going to keep doing the same thing. But if you come up with some exciting things to do and, and also just create these opportunities and friends and networks around you, they enjoy it. They love it. My kids love gaming. I still love gaming. I'm part of the gaming generation that first started with Atari, Intellivision, Nintendo, Nintendo, you name it. Sega. We used to even praise it in that respect. I'm still in the gaming generation. I even make games now. Make little things. That's what I've gone into doing as well. That's what we haven't talked about. My art art visualization and rendering, not just for um, animation with games or photorealistic animation series and moving which i'm doing and which i'm enjoying doing as well right now but for architecture yeah. so bringing us and everything to life yeah. i love all that stuff so yeah. i've implemented my gaming acronyms and things that i love doing as well to what i actually create and recreate and all that type of stuff that is what i also do right now and um so that's what you can do is channel their energy into actually say instead of just playing it why don't you learn how to make it make your own game yeah. develop it in that way and go out and discover things go out and film things and all that type of stuff yeah. be creative with what they can do and trust me kids love activity they love activity games Absolutely. is just an easy accessible thing to get to because they're bored yeah. they don't want to be bored so gaming is an easy option not to be bored yes that's true it's just it's like fast food it's like fast food right yeah in that respect because it's easy easy. accessible it's (laughs) easy accessible if it's raining and bad weather go to gaming it's easy however you've got to see what i do like about gaming right now especially within friends and with networks is where they actually work together and strategize together to actually complete things and they socialize that way yeah so that's a good thing. So if they're not able to socialize at some point uh, with their friends, that is, yeah. their peers and their friends, that is a good thing. And we have to be mindful there. Like anything else, kids walking in the street, strangers can come along. Stranger danger. Yeah. So stranger danger is also more accessible on the gaming environment. That's too. right. So that but that stranger right. danger is also there in real life. Yeah. So you can't blame stranger danger on the game. At least they're within their home. They have stranger danger out, out there and you're not with them. That's even more scary Yeah. from that perspective. So don't use gaming as, oh, there's so many bad opportunities. There are bad opportunities or bad circumstances everywhere. Yeah. You've just got to channel everything and be diverse with them. Yeah. Don't try and prevent them and stop them because it'll make them want it more. It's true. Find ways to actually... <laughs> Roach them off in different ways or they get bored of it because other things that you're now producing are so much more interesting yeah that's what i do i guess the onus is on the parents being able to get out of our comfort zone to be more creative correct yes excellent that's a great great way to put it because 
I guess I'm not giving for me as a parent, not giving another option to my kids to to enjoy. And that's the onus on parents, I think, to be able to make it a different different thing to make sure that the kids are enjoying one way or another being creative. Yeah. Absolutely. Going forward, what big goals do you have for your businesses in the next three to 10 years? Look, for me, I'd love to be able to get greatest athlete back on air. That would be, that's one of my main goals. And, and to be able to set up something like the Dejo Sports Academy, a physical Dejo Sports Academy, that would be fantastic too. On both fronts, on an entertainment front, and greatest athlete also can go filter right back through to the schools yeah. as well and do greatest athlete camps and stuff with the kids. So there's always a, an extended element to everything yeah. that I do. And the Dejo Sports Academy, look, the proper opportunity for that here is not really here. And on, on that level, on, on what I'm talking about. And it's also can be a very educational environment to and somewhere where you can pretty much go in there and enjoy and see and be involved. So those are those would be the two of the main things that I really want to do and and, and achieve over the next three to ten years, yeah. which would be fantastic. And continuing with my writing and animation and that type of stuff. And, it's awesome. And the art biz stuff with, with architecture, which I enjoy. I love building buildings. Yeah, yeah, it's, there's a lot of money in that as well. It's, I think your goals are like, I think it's achievable for you. And it's, I think, hopefully I can jump on, help, help get this greatest athletes back on online or somewhere. I think we get, we try to get some sponsors that way. Um, That'd be great. Hopefully I can help. Hopefully this episode can help you. How do you want to impact the world and what kind of legacy do you want to have? I think going back to, if I can bring value, added value, enjoyment, a smile, and a lot of energy, and the way we approach people, look at the political environment in America right now. We've never seen anything like it. It's just beyond where people don't even believe a vote anymore. It's gone to that stage is where... I would like to take the politics out of stuff and just treat people as people. And this whole political agenda is really bugging people down. Mm. I think it stresses people out that they literally have friendship based on their political affinities. It makes no sense mm. whatsoever. But when you have people striving for power all the time and want in any way possible, it becomes a burden to people in society. Going to your question, I'd like to actually create an environment and community where you're not worrying about political agendas. What you're most concerned about is your community. That's true. Uh, and that your community is thriving and striving and we're helping each other. That's the type of legacy I want to be involved in. I don't care what political affiliation is because the reality is it's all about how much government is involved in something. That's the reality of one political side to the next is one side wants as much government involvement and support and whatever, and the other one wants the very least and minimal. Least amount of tax, one is, come on, seriously, that is what it's all about. Life has been about that, but that's what I want to take out of it is less about those types of things and more about us being people and just connecting with each yeah. other and striving for it. So regardless of what we make or how well we do, we're good. You don't have to want to need something. 
you just strive into improve each other's in your life that's something that would pass on from generation to generation as well yes that is awesome if you could recommend one book to our listeners what should they read and what would it be in what i enjoyed a book called the way of the peaceful warrior and it was one of those books that especially as an athlete helped you slow down nice. helped you really take focus on again exactly what I was just talking about yeah. life life and enjoying life another book that I coupled with that was also the alchemist alchemist yeah. oh, i love this so those would be my recommendations the way of the peaceful warrior and the alchemist the books that I really used and it helped me the mind efforts yeah i've i was in a mastermind about 10 15 years ago and those were the two books that the members in the mastermind actually were sharing to all of us and it's really good books to to read and to live by and it's great I'll put it I'll definitely put that on the show notes and so that people can actually read it if not read it listen to it in audible what else can yeah I think if our listeners wanted to get in touch with you or get need help for business or in coaching with you how can they reach you oh you can always get me at dwayne at the dejo speed academy yeah. or even dwayne the dejo at gmail.com yeah. i would say probably that the best one to get me is at dwayne the dejo at gmail.com yeah excellent that is a that is a and it's just how my name is spelled except there's no apostrophe and it's gmail so it's really really yeah. simple so that's the best way to get in contact there's a it goes straight connecting to you do you have any are you in socials as well or i am so you can get me on instagram and you also i have you got linkedin uh, as well i've got linkedin yes i'll hit you up on that as and, well. it, and, and hit me up on that yes <laughs> i'm also one of the other things that i i see i just love doing things and it's again another community thing is the yummy yum club yeah. so the yummy yum club is like studio 54 meets fine dining and good food so say good food and entertainment Uh, that's something else uh, I'm starting up around the, the northern beaches so I'm going to be yes. putting on one of those at, at some point too yeah has that is that a monthly thing it will be a monthly thing and uh, at label along the northern beaches and when the next one that's also there's an instagram page and a website for that as well but that's something that again getting like-minded people yeah. together and yeah. having a fantastic night yeah. with great music yeah. and uh, good food and uh, entertainment again i just love doing community things yeah things that i like to enjoy and and just bring it to people yeah for those listeners that we have i'll get thousands of american listeners usa so when we talk about northern beaches it's the northern beaches of sydney where manly and the beautiful beaches that we have here that's when we took what we talk about northern beaches that's right so come visit us come visit Dwayne's spots so I'll put all those in the show notes Dwayne anything else that you wanted to mention before we go oh look no colleague it's been fantastic no, a pleasure it's, chatting to you it's uh, been a great chat I think yeah yeah thank you thank you for having me on board and you're doing a great thing I'm loving the fact that this podcast is reaching out and helping people as well yeah and I think look I think if we can just strive to be a better version of ourselves all the time, that's, and be certain if you're a parent, don't get in the way of our kids' progression and their development. 
and be that impetus or one of the reasons to make them proud, give you pride with them. Yeah. That's all we can ask for, right? Is uh, and be healthy and look out for each other. That's the way I see life. Yeah. Thank you very much again, Dwayne. Thank you for sharing your story. I think it needs to be heard all over the world. Just sitting, sitting quietly here in Sydney, enjoying life in Sydney. So I think when I first came across you and I said, I think I know this guy. And when I actually Googled you and I was like, wow, Dwayne is very knowledgeable about all things sports and everything else. Yeah. Thank you very much again for coming to the show. And for those listeners out there, come and listen and give us a ratings and review. And hopefully we can get more guests like Dwayne. And thank you very much once again. And we'll see you in our next episode. Thank you, Dwayne. Take care. Okay. See you later. Thank you. Bye. You've been listening to the Business Launch Podcast. Stay tuned for more episodes and come and visit our website at businesslaunch.agency. Thank you and have a great day.